For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the film and ear mashup you've always waited for. It's the For Your Reconsideration podcast, where we chit-chat the supposed worst in the business to see if they could be, if not quite the best in the business, maybe the most acceptably mediocre in the business. I'm here with two who definitely are the best in the business. It's Simon and James. Hello. How many times could I say business in an intro? I am certainly... Most mediocre in the, in the business. <laughs> how are you, fellas? Oh, all right, mate. How are you? Doing great. Yeah, doing really good. I'm good, thanks, Rob, but you will have to call me Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> James, I noticed tonight on our little interface you have named yourself Dragon. Sorry si, you've gone for helpful sense. Which, uh, um, yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't remember putting it. <laughs> <laughs> That's news uh, you, to me. But I'll yeah, go with it. Yeah. I'll roll with it. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, uh, how is um, well mid lockdown life treating you at present, gents? <sighs> I think mid is being very aspirational at the moment. <laughs> this could go on for fucking ever. Mm. Uh, although I went out for an unlimited walk earlier. What the fuck? <laughs> is it like when you get a mobile phone contract with unlimited data? Can you I just carry know. it over? I don't even know what month? I'm allowed to do anymore now. <laughs> Did you stay alert to all those floating uh, virus modules? Uh, <laughs> globules? I haven't blinked all day, mate, which means the virus has probably gone in my wide open eyes at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's stay alert like it's like you're walking through a bad neighbourhood. <laughs> I just don't I don't know what it's 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 gone chaotic. I mean um, It's an absolute shambles. Yeah, I don't know whether this should be uh you know, we're all sort of navigating our way through it, but I did have a conversation with someone last week on in an online setting like this who um set his stall out to say that that you know, lockdown is taking our civil liberties because you can't shield from cancer and you can't shield from COVID. So you might as well get out there and take your chances. And I'm thinking, what? 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 <laughs> bit, what? bit different. Think, yeah, yeah, it's quite different things there, you know. Cancer not being airborne and all that. But <laughs> um, what can you do? Um, like, so, but is this because we're all confused? I think it probably is. But anyway. It's a good job we've got some serious movies to be watching. What have you guys been watching this week? <laughs> um, so I watched a film from last year. It was this Blumhouse movie starring Octavia Spencer called Ma, in which a lonely veterinary nurse makes her basement a drinking spot for the local high schoolers. Then things get really, really weird. It's prime FYR territory, so I won't say anything more than that. Is it? How it's proper crazy Ma? town. M.A. Oh, right, okay. It's cool. it's just gone on now TV, hasn't it? I, I've seen it pop up. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm interested. I like a Bloomhouse picture. <laughs> it's crazy town. The last half an hour is just absolutely off its tits. Brilliant. To put it mildly, would you recommend? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, I also wanted to shout out a podcast now. I don't really like to shout out the competition, but these guys are way more successful than us, so I think it's okay. <laughs> um, so I've been doing a rewatch of The Sopranos, and this was inspired by a new podcast called Talking Sopranos with Michael Imperioli and Steve Schripper, who were both actors on the show. So Michael played mm. Christopher Moltisanti and Steve played uh, Bobby Bacala, and it's great. They just go through each episode of the show and just give real insight into it. 
granted, Michael gives uh, more insight at the moment because he was actually in the first series, whereas Steve wasn't. His character didn't come in until the second season. Yeah. So it's really good. You can watch The Sopranos, an episode of it, and then listen to the podcast. It's great fun. But the biggest takeaway I've taken from it so far is that Michael Imperioli really likes the royal family, as in the Craig Cash, Caroline Ern, (laughs) (laughs) Mancunian sitcom, which I know Londoners who can't get on with that because it's too northern. So how he's got into it, I'll never know, but he really likes it. That's amazing. That's so so random, but so good. Really satisfying. What about you, Sash? Um, I've had like a week of sort of writing a lot of wrongs of big movies I haven't seen. You know, they really should not be gaps on my film watching TV. I really should have seen them. So I watched The Pianist because it's one of those movies like 12 Years a Slave or like Amistad or Schindler's List where they're really, really important movies. But if if I haven't seen them at the cinema, I just I just can't really get in the mood to, to like put them on. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'll be sat there flicking through my Netflix catalogue, just like lying on my sofa and I'll be like... Yeah, I don't really, don't really fancy this. <laughs> uh, but I watched that, and oh god, it's so good. Um, yeah, really, really fantastic movie. But then others as well. Uh, to just to bring it onto a onto a lighter note, uh, I watched uh, Midnight Run, James. Yeah! After your recommendation. Oh. <laughs> it's great. It's well good. <laughs> it's just, it's really funny, and like really, the action's really good in it, and it's it's um yeah, the two leads are great in it. De Niro's obviously great in it, and Grodin's good and. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really, really good movie. I can't believe I'd never heard of it. It's, and the slap bass on that score as slap well. Bait. The score is fucking brilliant. Danny Elfman does the score. And it's just, it's, <laughs> it's so of a time. It's, yeah, it's, oh, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Nice. Last one, just quickly. Uh, James, I think you'll appreciate this one as well. Goodfellas. I finally watched Goodfellas. Oh, wow, really? That before. Yeah, I'd never... Had you not seen it? No, because it's one, oh. it's one of those where it's two and a half hours long, isn't it? So it's just like, oh, <laughs> I can never really find the, the time to watch a film like that. And, but yeah, finally watched it. And yeah, Jesus, he's really good. I'll tell you what, um, Robert De Niro's quite good, isn't he? He'll go far, that lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll go far, that lad. Keeps his head down, keeps focused. He's going to have a hell of a career. Uh, what I, my uh, most endearing memory about Goodfellas is when it first came out on DVD, it was so long you had to turn the disc over halfway through yes. the movie. <laughs> I've got one of those. I've, that's my copy of it. Yeah. Seriously. Incredible. What a time to be alive. <laughs> si, um, I'm always interested um, in people's first reactions to that film, especially because... It's right at the beginning, isn't it, that you get um, Billy Bats in the boot and the knife, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that is one of the most horrendous, just, oh my God. I was watching it and I was like, sort of first hour in, I was going, no, it's good, but I wouldn't really put it in my favourite Scorsese pictures. He calls them pictures, doesn't he? Pictures, yeah. Like Van Damme, he's copying Van Damme. Him and Seagal, yeah. Yeah, him and Seagal (laughs) and uh, Van Damme. But But when you get to the sort of last hour of it, and it just completely changes when it was all, all those sort of wheels start coming off with all the yeah. the crew and everything. It just it's so good. It's about mm. three films rolled into one. It's yeah. so well made, and yeah, it's just just Scorsese flexing all of his filmmaking muscles in one movie. And yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And I assume you'd seen the famous Steadicam shot before, hadn't you? The Copacabana. Yes. Yeah. The, the, yeah, that was really my favorite bit. Actually, was. Um, the sequence where he's, he has like a day of having to move drugs around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like making dinner for his brother and it's he's brilliant. paranoid of a helicopter. And it's just, yeah. he's like, 
Because at that stage, he's just proper like, wired on coke, and the whole thing just goes at like a million miles an hour. It's like, yeah. this scene is just amazing. Yeah, so good. So, so good. I wonder how Marty managed to make that so uh, specific. <laughs> 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 Whatever do you mean, James? <laughs> <laughs> what have you been watching, Rob? Um, well, I-, I sat down on Saturday night, and I, I had a... Uh, two in my head that it was going to be one or the other and um it was either midnight run or rise of skywalker ah. and i went with rise of skywalker did you like it yeah yeah i mean it's i mean it's no return of the jedi no, no. <laughs> but what is you know uh no it's 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 elite level entertainment it looked absolutely gorgeous i've got loads of plot questions about it yeah but yeah, but I, I still I don't mind it. It's not. It's right in the middle of it all for me. It's nowhere yeah. near as good as you know. Again, I know I've said this before, but I'm, I'm Return of the Jedi is my favourite of the lot. Bottom of the lot. I don't know which one's bottom of the lot actually, because I'm quite forgiving of them all. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't. I, I, it just it wasn't great. It was okay. It was yeah, all right. That's exactly my reaction. Aesthetically, to it's it. great. Yeah, yeah. Aesthetically, it's astonishing. Yeah, I think the same. Actually. Yeah, yeah. But again, it wasn't like, oh, you've taken a turd on my childhood. It wasn't like that. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it's it's all right. You know, it was fine. It's probably a good idea though when you're making a trilogy not to have someone else do the middle section and then completely ignore everything that happens in the middle section. <laughs> yeah, I, I am really left. But talking about it, like you know, the difference between episodes because um, if you're watching them in the you know episodic order, mm. it's Jedi then Force Awakens, yeah, yeah. isn't it? So you're missing an entire chunk of how how are the this the evil how are the baddies top dogs in the galaxy again well that's it yeah it's that's sort never of never once covered yeah it's sort of explained in the last jedi but then never touched on again in the third yeah, one it's and just, you know that's what i'd rather see you know um what annoyed me most about rise of skywalker was obviously there was a load of backlash against the last jedi not on this pod we all like that movie i think I, yeah it's yeah. my second favorite one out yeah a lot of them, I think. behind empire I think. yeah it's up there with me yeah for sure and it just seemed to me like as soon as the new one started the crawl starts and it goes the dead speak and it's like remember the emperor you all like the emperor don't you well we're bringing yeah, the yeah. emperor back that's not <laughs> yeah. spoiler because that's in the crawl basically yeah, yeah, it's... it felt like retcon and uh unnecessarily so like if you're yes, picking yeah. a lane then you need to go down it Basically, yeah, they they kind of threw Johnson under the bus, didn't they? Because yeah. they yeah give them the responsibility to take the story into a in a direction, and a certain section of the fans weren't happy with it, and they yeah. just sided with them and threw Ryan Johnson under the bus. Which, yeah, it's it is a shame because then they the they're, they're trying to cram two films in one then. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, there's I too much going well, on. Now it feels like a trilogy without a middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it's right. But because the middle has got nothing, I know all the stuff about making em, uh, making the emperor the bad. We've had that. Yeah, exactly. We've had that. We had that back in the seventies. Apparently, that's what the hardcore wanted because they didn't like any of the changes that came in the Last Jedi. Ignore like, this is if if if, if that if it was originally supposed to be like this, then fine. But if it wasn't, and you you know you yeah. you bent over backwards to accommodate a fan base who told told you. You know, I mean, how lucky are we? We said this about Last Jedi, didn't we? How lucky are we to have entertainment like that? Yeah, exactly. There was a horse chase on the side of a spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) What's the matter with you people? (laughs) Flick flick through the, like, stills of 
The Last Jedi, and what a good-looking movie! I that know, is. yeah, and yeah. Like there's a lot, so much inventiveness going on, and you know what is a franchise what's been done to death now, really, with the spin-offs and yeah. all the yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all all what's attached to it. That film still somehow managed to be and look original, yeah. whereas. The Rise of Skywalker, I don't, I think misses that. It's just sort of treading familiar stuff, and um, it looks. I, I did, you know, yeah. I did enjoy it. I think I said it at the time. You did, yeah, yeah on uh, this pod yeah. when I watched it, and you know, as a cinema film, sat down watching it with popcorn, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, yeah, there's there's elements of it where it's just like, oh, yeah, why have you why have you took the easy way out? And you know, yeah. be bold in filmmaking. Don't just it's Star Wars. You can do what you yeah. want. Everybody's going to go anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, even like um, Ben, is it Ben? Ben Solo? Yeah. R- uh, Kylo, Kylo Ben. Whatever Kylo he Ben. Is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, his arc is forecast from, it, it's all undone, isn't it? Like, yeah. Because I watched Force Awakens again not long ago, and there's so much of that I really like. Yeah. Really, yeah. really like. But it starts to become so painfully obvious he's going to be good in the end. And they've already done that. They've already done that with Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's it. And even in that, I didn't know that, <laughs> that Anakin Skywalker was going to end up good in the end of that. Exactly. Until the very end, you know? So, I don't know. I mean, I'm talking with um, big listeners of the, the podcast, um, the Pickup Brothers, <laughs> um, they, they said, um, just very briefly, that, that Anakin Skywalker is the main... Star Wars thing, isn't it? The story of Anakin Skywalker yeah, yeah. is what this whole thing is well, about. Well, certainly through the first two trilogies, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So you don't need to go, you don't need to rehash any of this. You don't yeah. have to even use the name Skywalker anymore. Yeah. And there is no relevance to the Skywalker tri- you know, family in this at all, really. No. Anyway, this isn't Skywalker pod. No. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, it's just, but it's certainly um, interesting, finally, because, you, you know, we've all had this where we've had um, heard a furore about a certain film. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, well, was it worth all that? You know, the, the, the yeah, upset yeah. or whatever. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, James, it is your pick this week. It is. But in... The build-up for tonight's film, um, you came across a question you wanted to ask us. Yes, yeah, so I've just noticed, really, that big studios don't really put comedies out these days. I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but in the last 10 years, there have been so few and far between. Like, a real classic one was probably like Bridesmaids back in 2012, and mm. I like those 21 Jump Street movies as well, but in terms of yeah. like big tentpole summer releases from studios they don't seem to do them anymore but comedies like tonight's film Step Brothers that we're discussing there used to be at least two or three every single summer that would come out mm. got me thinking about the 2000s in general and what a great decade I thought that was for big studio summer comedies yeah. so I just thought it'd be quite fun just to ask you guys what are your top three from that area, era so Oof. from 2000 to 2010 oh, it's because I started doing a list yeah, and it's big, isn't it? It's loads. It's, there's so many. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. I was like, oh yeah, this should be fairly easy. It's like no, there's absolutely loads. You know, like repeat viewing ones. Do you think a lot of it's to do with our age though, as well? Like, I we, think so. Yeah, we were all know, going to the cinema right with, the... yeah, you know, going on dates or whatever, and not anymore. Yeah, with bastard, each other. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Usually, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any work to go with. It's so hard. Do you want? How do you want to do it? Do you want to do one each? Should we go around and do one each? Yeah, yeah, cool. Let's do one each, yeah. Do you want me to go first? Shall I yeah, go for the... it, Rob. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, oh, no, I don't... why do you volunteer? It's so hard. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, I'm gonna, right. I really it's like, like first pick at a, It's like their first pick on a football team. It like, is, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Oh, right, role models with uh, Paul oh, Rudd and uh, yeah, I yeah. That's an underrated that. one. That it is really an underrated is, isn't one. Because uh, with Christopher Mince Pie. Um, yeah, yeah. Really, really, good. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really funny, and the best use of Kiss. Yeah. Uh, in a soundtrack <laughs> I've ever heard, I think. Yeah. He's singing the Love Gun song and he goes, it's great because he's talking about his dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a... It's brilliant. And it goes it's all over. Yeah, I love good. it. Someone else. <laughs> go, Si. Um, I'm going to go one which sort of started off this noughties vibe on comedies. Uh, Road Trip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think that was 2000, I think. So yeah. ju- just about. Oh, my God. I... I, I think it came out the same time as American Pie and it sort of was overshadowed by it, really, because American yeah, yeah. Pie was humongous. Yeah. But I just think Road Trip is just brilliant. And um, t- Tom Green, when it was like the height of Tom Green weirdness. It was, yeah. Him doing his little songs in it. And oh, it, yeah. Such a good, <laughs> I, I got that. <laughs> now and again, I just like, if I'm on my own and I need a laugh, I'll stick Road Trip on. I adore Road Trip. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. DJ Qualls is amazing in that film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> you won't hear that said too many times. God bless and love to <laughs> DJ Qualls. <laughs> what about you, James? So I'm going to go with Team America World Police. Oh, <laughs> good grief. Can you imagine a studio making a film like Team America World Police? <laughs> no way. Even with Have you ever seen a man eat his own head? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you something. That is the greatest acting I've ever seen. He's <laughs> doing some acting. It's just fantastic. Just like it's, and yeah. it's a film that those guys, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they're the only people in the world who could have got away with making that yeah. movie. 100%. And it practically destroyed them making it. Like they were like, because <laughs> it did quite well, and they're like, going to do a sequel, and they're like, absolutely fucking not, no chance. <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world. We are never doing that again. <laughs> they've just done everything, haven't they? Like they've got a massive TV series. Yeah, a really high concept movie marionette <laughs> puppets <laughs> they've wrote musicals and yeah. now they're like the south park video games which are like they wrote those as well which are just insane amount of scripts and stuff they're like and entire like, seasons of the show it's just yeah, never yeah this is, it's chaos isn't it how good they genius are. and we've not even got near um basketball no oh god basketball oh my days <laughs> so rob what's your what's next up cab off the rank for you i find it so hard um but i'm gonna go with napoleon dynamite i absolutely oh, yes <laughs> it's just as outstanding i'll never not yeah. find that brilliant vote for pedro <laughs> yeah i've recently started seeing that nobody likes it like <sighs> there's a lot of like napoleon dynamite's an underrated movie like no no it's it's rubbish it's not funny at all like it's brilliant that movie it is so funny and it's a film about nothing but it's just nothing really really absolutely nothing it's so (laughs) memorable you know um whenever i try on a new (laughs) try on any new like garments for my lower half of the body like no one wants a roundhouse kick with a pair of these bad boys (laughs) 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 it's true every time i get a new pair of lounge pants Oh, it's it's great. All for like, uh, what's the popular girl in school called? Her boyfriend 
his facial expression. Oh, I don't think yeah. he's got any lines, but it's just facial expression. He's really smug facial expression. <laughs> he's so good with his lovely frosted tips. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. he's so good that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lordy B. Uh, oh. Um, I'm go- I pick another one out of the left field, and it's just because it's a personal favourite. Harold and Kumar get the munchies. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> As what it was called in the UK, I think it was Harold and Kumar go to White Castle in the US. We yeah. don't have White Castles, that's why they changed yeah. the name. Oh my God. I watched this at uni. My housemate was a massive stoner, and he, wa- he wanted to go and watch this at the cinema. So we were like, all right, yeah, we'll go. And uh, it was the best, one of the best cinema experiences I've ever had. <laughs> it was, it's just, it's an absolutely bonkers movie with two relatively, they were relatively unknown at the time. Yeah. Uh, John Cho and, mm. um, oh, what's that? He was in House. Cal Penn. Cal Penn, of course. Uh, yeah. They're just two great leads and really funny. And it flips the whole racial stereotyping thing on its head. And there's a lot of good joke in jokes in that. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's a great movie. Oh, Didn't really Cal funny. Penn stop acting for a while and go and work for the Obama administration? Isn't yeah, he, he like did a work super in intelligent guy? Yeah, yeah he's oh, really, really funny. Complete legend. Ryan Reynolds has got a really good cameo in it as well as a doctor. Oh, has he? Because Cal, Cal Penn's like, he, he doesn't want to be a doctor even though he's smart enough to be one and he knows yeah. everything and he just can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> and he performs like surgery just while he's stoned out of his mind and Ryan Reynolds is, is the doctor with him. Oh, great. Such a good film. Cool. And they ride a cheetah. Oh, God, it's great. <laughs> James? Um, I've got to go with Superbad as my next pick, which oh, is really an incredible, to, yeah. incredibly funny movie. Launched, uh, as you were talking earlier, uh, Christopher Mince Pie, but also <laughs> pretty much launched Jonah Hill as well as a lead actor. He'd been in other things as a supporting character, but this was the first time he'd like been a lead in a movie. He was like 24 playing a high schooler as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, was that, like Michael Cera was the big name though, wasn't he? Yeah, he was he in Arrested Development already. He was in Arrested yeah. Development, yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. Oh, the first 45 minutes of that film. Genius. Oh Absolute oh genius. Word. I've never laughed so much. I saw that film four times in the cinema. Like, like <laughs> different groups of friends were going each weekend. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, oh, yeah. it's like we're, get, we're going to see Superbad. Have you seen it? It's like, yes, but I will come again. Like, it's just brilliant. The first forty minutes are fantastic. It's one of the most foul-mouthed screenplays ever written. Jonah Hill is so <laughs> funny in that opening. Like, McLovin. What are you, an Irish, Irish R&B star? It's just so funny. Like, <laughs> when he comes out of work and he's going, why are you dressed like Aladdin? Because <laughs> he's got a little velvet Wait, waistcoat on. A little waistcoat on. <laughs> <laughs> just that whole scene where they're scrutinising his idea. It's so funny. <laughs> and he's like, McLovin? Well, it was either between that or Muhammad. Why the fuck would it be between that or Muhammad? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's an, I, I could watch if that's ever on TV. Like I'll just catch it, and it'll just be like, right, okay, I'll just watch twenty minutes of this, and then by the I've watched it all again. Yeah, <laughs> I must yeah, have yeah, played yeah. it about a hundred times. It's, it's always that way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so Rob, your final pick from this illustrious decade. I, well, when you asked me to pick three, I've got a list of 14 here. So <laughs> yeah. it's quite hard. It's really hard at this point. But I'm going to go with... Oh, it's so tough. 
It's whether I will rely on one of you guys to pick this one mm. so I can get another one in, but I, I can't risk this not being in my top three. So, 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, good oh, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is yeah, a good it's one. It's superb. This yeah. top, and, and it's one of the, again, another of those films where the raw material, that just the premise is so funny yeah. that it's it like you can riff and improv everything from that, and it's just brilliant. And like you know, it cements Steve Carell as a leading man as well. Like yeah, Paul Rudd yeah. again, it capitalizes on like he was quite. A, he was pretty much known as a dramatic actor until uh, you know in the late nineties. Obviously, he'd been in Friends as well. Yeah, yeah. But he's so funny in that. Obviously, Seth Rogen is comes out of that movie fantastically well. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. well and launch it. I think he got the lead in Knocked Up on the back of yes. that. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. That's an incredible movie as well and very very funny. That is a um, good one. Sorry? Uh, I'm going to cheat a bit and go for a British movie. Um, oh. It's it's my favourite of Edgar Wright's films, uh, Hot Fuzz. It's a good shout. It's very mm. funny. There's a, the forever the argument of which is the best out of that Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. And me, most people would go for Shaun of the Dead, but I just... Hot Fuzz, I've seen that film I don't know how many times, and I will never... Stop belly laughing at the shot of Paddy Considine and Rafe Spall <laughs> when when they they like uh, they say something to Simon Pegg and then they walk off out of shot, but then yep. Paddy Considine comes back in <laughs> and his face comes back in <laughs> and Rafe Spall's in the background just like hovering out and then just at the edge you catch him just laugh, like breaking character and pissing himself. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a moustache. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it's like a complete A-list of British comedy actors. Like They're all, Olivia Colman's in it, Bill Bailey's in it. Tim Dalton. Um, Timothy Dalton's in it. Yeah, what a a cast. Incredible. Alice Lowe's in it, I think. Um, Yeah. Famously, my dad says it's the worst film he's ever seen. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, we'll have to disagree with Andy P on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Hot he says, um, you know, like, I said to him sometimes, like, what did you watch, Dad? You know, and he's like, um, well, I watched this, and it, it was really bad, but it wasn't as bad as Hot Fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> Hope Andy P doesn't listen to this. I'll go down his estimations. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win them all, Edgar. Can't win them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also said that uh, it was very close with the Steve Carell film Dinner for Schmucks. Oh, I've not seen that particular one. Um, I have seen that one. Uh, it's, it's, it's all right. But <laughs> <laughs> I got the impression I, I would feel it was all right as well. But yeah, uh, James, uh, are you going to finish this uh, top nine of the best comedy films? Of yeah, Zero so it was a very tight call, this, because I really like old school uh, with, you know, the other Todd Phillips <gasps> college movie yeah. with uh, Will Ferrell and, uh, and Vince Vaughn. But uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to plum for Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, oh, yeah, yeah. because course, Will Ferrell and, and, and Vince Vaughn are both in that one as well. So they win either way. Yeah, that's that's just a, a bit like how I feel about tonight's film. Endlessly quotable, incredibly silly, and just just brilliant mesh of director and star just doing crazy, crazy stuff for 90 minutes. I, yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more. James, do you want to use that as a jumping point into yeah. tonight's film? Yes. So that that was a fantastic chat, lads. Lots of if you uh, if any of our listeners haven't seen those films, you should absolutely go out and oh, watch any of those. Of them. You'll have it's a, a really lovely good old list time. as well. Actually, a quite comprehensive list. 
Be yes. stoned if you want to watch Holden Kumar, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I mean, you, uh, sorry, I'm not encouraging uh, illegal behaviour. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I was not encouraging the use of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, tonight's film is, as we've padded around already, is a Will Ferrell, uh, Adam McKay joint, and it's an uplifting tale of how two big, fat, curly-haired fucks do karate in the garage, (laughs) take the form of unicorns, and rock the fucking Catalina wine mixer. The film is, of course, 2008's juvenile masterpiece, Step Brothers. Hey. Hey. All right, everybody. Sleeping arrangements? Brennan, you're going to be sharing a room with Dale. Just until the two of you get jobs and you move out. One rule of the house. Don't ever touch my drum set. Don't touch it! All right. Did you touch my drum set? Nope. Why are you so sweaty? I was watching cops. I think they're starting to like each other. What are you doing? I'm burying you. I'm alive, man, I'm alive. You're waking the neighbors. Shut up! Name your favorite dinosaur. Velociraptor. All right. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. You have one month to find jobs or you're out in your asses. What? I will arrange interviews and you will go. Who's this gentleman sitting behind you? Hello, Miss Lady. You can't... Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. You shouldn't tell the person who is interviewing you to shut their mouth. You're Under sounding Andrew stupid five. now. I'm sorry, what did You're you just You're just coming off stupid. Please leave this office. Do we get any sort of souvenir? Get out of my office! Well, if it isn't Dale Dobick and his little buddy... Just leave me alone, will you? Shut up, fool! You should treat me, an adult, with some respect. So... Maybe you don't go down that way anymore. That's what we talked about. We're going to take the long way home. Can we turn our beds into bunk beds? You'll give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. You're adults. You can do what you want. This is the funnest night ever. <laughs> hey, I never asked you. Yeah. You like guacamole? you think that Step Brothers could be number 10 on that list so that we've got a top 10 of the best films of the oh yeah of the best comedies because it would have been in my top three it would have that's why I said don't put it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, I would have put, yeah. back, put it in mind definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right James why did you pick this this week uh, so you know I'm going to play my obviously it's my pick I like the movie for me, it's one of the best comedies of the last 20 years and much like the critical reception at the time I didn't think it was that great when I first saw it. I saw it and went, you know what? That was good. That was good. I enjoyed that. I laughed a lot. But I didn't think it had the classical resonance as, say, something like an Anchorman or any of those other films that we discussed. But then through re-watching and re-watching over the years, it's just become like a cornerstone for me in terms of 
uh, comedy movies the last 20 years. And it's I think it's arguably their best work, but we'll get into that as we go through. Another reason for picking it, and I'm going to slightly tread on Simon's toes here with regard to the critical response. So it gave the late, great Roger Ebert something of an existential crisis when he came to review it. <laughs> um, so th- this is a little extract from his review. Sometimes I think I am living in a nightmare. All about me, uh, standards are collapsing, manners are evaporating, people show no respect for themselves. I am not a moralist nut. I'm proud of the X-rated movie I once wrote. I like vulgarity if it's funny or serves a purpose. But what is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) He's tumbled into himself, poor Rog. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Sai, what is your um, what's your history with the film? The, very much the same as James, actually. Like I remember watching because I loved Anchorman um, so much. After watching that accidentally in the cinema, didn't know what it was. So I watched it, and I remember just being like, "Meh, it's all right." Never thought to watch it again. And then the only reason I did watch it again was my missus just loves it, and she's like, "It's like one of her favorite movies." And uh, we watched it again, and I was, I was just like, "I do not remember it being this funny." And it's one of those films that together we've watched uh, about five or six times. The only other films we've seen more are Twister and Robin Hood, <laughs> Prince of Thieves, which are the two, which they are the other two favourite movies of my my <laughs> And uh, Robin Hood is really long as well. <laughs> it's so good. I don't know how you do it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, Alan Rickman's leather pants gets me through it. <laughs> I think it's got better over time. Um, yeah. And I think you... You can't watch it once and form an opinion. You have to watch it more than once because you just get so much more out of it. And yeah, it's it's quite a weird one. It's quite a, a rare one in that case where you know you have to you know several years later and you get so much more out of it. What about you, Rob? Uh, I was first alerted to the film really um, thanks to such a weird source. Um, I was watching the tennis. All right, uh, late one <laughs> night. Um, and it was the US Open. I know exactly <laughs> and, uh, what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell? Can I just? Please, This is genuinely why I know it. Um, at the end of uh, Andy Murray had just beaten I don't know who to advance to the US Open semi-finals. I think you know massive <laughs> achievement. And and the commentary team or the the broadcast team thought it'd be a great idea to get you know we we've got Will Ferrell here you know and the, <laughs> they brought Will Ferrell onto the court and there was this excruciatingly awkward interview between the two where it was like you know um, Andy you're a big film fan aren't you and uh, would you you know. Uh, uh, have you seen any of Will's movies? You know, and Andy was like, you know, he's just played five sets. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a big fan of his movies. I, I, I am. I'm, I'm sorry, I've not been to see Step Brothers yet. <laughs> and, you know, and Will Ferrell on the spot was like, Andy, it's okay. I, it's fine. You know? <laughs> and the most, it was the most awkward, awkward interview. Oh. Um, these two genuinely, you know, genuinely nice people. Someone was this the point where people actually started liking Andy Murray because of this interview? Oh, I've always loved him. I always could be. loved him. It could be. It, it could well be that moment that the wider public liked it. But um, why has Andy Murray got to apologise for not going to the cinema during the two weeks of the US Open? I've got no idea. And Will Ferrell knew that. He was like, this is totally ludicrous. So, um, yeah, and then I was thinking, like, 
probably should check that out. (laughs) (laughs) Better than, you know, so an ill-timed interview um, was better than any piece of marketing that that they put out for the film. I don't recall it being that, like, big... Like, there wasn't really a big push over here for it. I don't remember any. I couldn't tell you a single poster. I could just remember the DVD cover, that's it. I can't remember any poster or anything like that. I can't remember a trailer, anything like that. But I thought, like, oh, yeah, best check that out on the basis of Andy Murray's... You know, he hadn't seen it, so it wasn't even a recommendation. It was <laughs> yeah. just his knowledge of the film made me feel like I should go and see it. Uh, not go and see it. I, I got it on um, uh, on DVD, um, and oh yeah, it's just uh, from the very beginning. I mean, it was just um, I'm I'm fully aware of the film's flaws, but my God, is it funny? Yeah. So and it was yeah, it's got a very very cozy place in my heart. Wonderful. Mm. But does it qualify, James? Budget box office. It's interesting you say that that the um, that you don't remember seeing any much of a marketing push or any advertising or a trailer or anything like that. So obviously the people who made this are a list comedy talent at this time, and they don't work cheap. So Will Ferrell is the star, Adam McKay is the director. They're going to be pulling down quite big wages. Judd Apatow is the producer. Producers don't work for free. Sixty-five million budget for this film. Wow! Yeah, it's quite a lot. Which it would have been half of that if they were all unknowns. It made 128 million worldwide. So decent, but not a runaway success. And only 28 million of that was made outside of the US. So that's worldwide. But I think where this film sort of picked up some real steam afterwards is it made $63.7 million when it came out on DVD and Blu-ray. And from there, it's developed a real cult following. And now I think it's very much in the conversation, but I don't think it was when it came out. It sort of came and went. That's amazing. Like, especially over here, well, it's, it's really telling, James, where you say, like, only a small fraction of that box office was overseas and the vast majority yeah. was in America because when I, when Anchorman came out, Will Ferrell was not in any of our consciousness. No, no. Really, He'd been in old like, school. As a comedian. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was just, was, like, yeah. that funny dude in old school, whereas in America, was he part of the Saturday Night Live yeah, crew? Yeah, and, yeah, you know, when yeah. someone's on Saturday Night Live, that's how they get popular and that that's how they're sort of famous. Yeah, I said before I went to watch Anchorman by accident. It was just on <laughs> at the cinema yeah. and I went to watch it and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? It's absolutely brilliant. And then, yeah, to, like, I guess the same with this. Like, There's just no, there would be no push in the UK for a film like this, really, because they're not relying on us to no. get back that box office. It's purely aimed at the American market, isn't it? I would say so, but I would, I mean, obviously it's an R rated film where the others have been like PG 13s or 12 A's in this country. Mm. So it would have been a 15 over here. So that sort of lowers your, your potential box office. I mean, Will Ferrell's a big star at the, at the time. So I think there would have been interest, but obviously maybe people just looked at it and thought it looked stupid. And on paper, <laughs> it does look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and it pans out stupid. Yeah. It just yeah. so happens to be really, really funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I th- um, I think Anchorman's a very good um, comparison, isn't it? Because um, Anchorman seemed to do the same thing where, yeah, uh, you know, and I don't have any figures to back this up, but I didn't know about the film until it gained real traction on DVD. Yeah, exactly. I remember it watching it with my friends so many times, and I think that's yeah. a real test of a of a comedy is if it's still funny when you've watched it two, yeah. three, four, five times. And th- and that was definitely when we were at university, wasn't it? So yeah, five six oh five oh six mm-hmm. oh seven. Because w- my first into university, it's interesting this actually. And my first into um, another university in oh one, 
the uh, one of the guys in Halls was obsessed with a film called Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. Which is also a Will Ferrell movie, isn't it? Yes. Um, mm. And it's like, so he was like five years ahead, you know, like <laughs> yeah. watching Will Ferrell's early stuff kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and he wasn't a big candidate for liking movies. That's no, so no. he loved Night at the Roxbury. So, yeah, it's really interesting to, to hear it, how it all pans out. Um, Sai, what about critical reception then, in which case? We know it can't qualify through pennies. Yeah, I think this is where it makes it qualify was um yeah, surprising. Really didn't do well critically at the time. James touched upon it earlier. Um yeah, on the whole, especially the higher brow critics did not like this film at all. <laughs> mainly because of its juvenile approach and really, you know, getting all the jokes from swear words and <laughs> fart <laughs> jokes and things like that. Uh it it's but yeah, going on the Rotten Tomatoes, it's on fifty-five percent. Whoa, um, sixty-nine for audience as well. So it's it's not massively high mm. on the audience. Metacritic's a bit lower on the critics with fifty-one, and the audience is seven point nine. And it was quite interested on Letterbox actually. It's quite high on Letterbox. It's got three point four on Letterbox, but that's very high for FYR. For yeah, for <laughs> us, yeah. But uh, the low, the lower end of the reviews is summer to behold. It is just hilarious i mean i don't really want to go through it because there's absolutely loads of half star <laughs> reviews Whoa. And it, like genuinely hilarious you could just scroll through the pages of start from lowest first and just have a good old laugh at some of the reviews um it's essentially a lot of young people and cinephiles saying it's just not funny at all and really puerile and immature and anyone who likes it should feel bad for doing <laughs> so uh, I, I just can't come to the conclusion that this is our generation's version of Mrs. Brown's Boys because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah like yeah a lot of you know on the generation below us really they're just like why do people like this film I don't get it uh, but no it's really it's really really funny critical wise yeah they it just didn't go down wow. too well Bradshaw didn't like it obviously obviously as James said Ebert didn't like it but Richard Roper as well who's Ebert's you know who does the Ebert and Roper website <laughs> his one's quite funny don't watch it on an airplane don't check it out on cable don't walk past the bargain basement bin where it's being sold terrible <laughs> it absolutely hated it <laughs> Yeah, one of those where it was over time, watch it once, make your judgments, and then they just sort of left it at that. Which is why it's good for this, good to talk about because yeah. yeah, both me and James have been like the first time we watched it, we were a bit like sort of tepid on it. Yeah, um, which seems to be the the case with a lot of the critics. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Will Ferrell splits people. He really he does. does. Yeah. He <laughs> really does. And I think what I kind of like about this film and what I got from watching it again this time is like they're sort of daring you not to like it all the way through. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. just doing whatever the hell they want, right? And they're just like, "You still with us? All right. What about this now? Okay, now we're gonna do this. Yeah. Oh, should we have a little dream sequence? All right. Okay." <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah i don't argue with any of that I, i've just um yeah i i i wanted to know because i didn't think that pete bradshaw would be a fan of this so i i actually looked at pete bradshaw's take on this and yeah he, he didn't say anything particularly out there on this one he just said it's, it's dvd rental only yeah um but it did lead me to his um his twitter page um and on there 
this is just to go full circle, he's given Tom Hardy's Capone film three out of five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Has he got any whimsical um, sort of bylines to, to back up his review? Anything about Botox or bread? No, but the Fantastic <laughs> Four director Josh Trank has created a strange, bitter-flavoured account of the celebrated mafioso. I think he sold it to me, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if anything... Maybe Bradshaw's out of the doghouse, perhaps. I don't know. Um, no. Yeah, as you, no. <laughs> as you say, massive, um, in terms of Hollywood comedy, like it's all the, the big stars, big players are all present and correct yeah. here, aren't they? Absolutely. James, would you like to go into the movie? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult because the movie is, is not much of a plot to speak about, so we'll probably <laughs> just skip from one. It's just, what I love about this is it's only designed to be funny and it's only designed to get the most out of those two lead actors. So obviously they'd done Talladega Nights together and they'd got on mm. fantastically well. That's Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and obviously Adam McKay directed that one too. So they just cooked up this story between the three of them and then Adam McKay and Will Ferrell went away and wrote a screenplay, which was apparently incredibly long. And then they always improv as well on set. And every single scene is just designed to get the silliest, most puerile laughs that they possibly can. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's what people had a, had a problem with because it's so dense. There's still jokes I pick up now and I must be on the sixth, yeah. seventh watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get introduced to uh, Brennan and Dale, who are living separate lives at that point. Both forty years old, living with their pet, with their uh, single parents, uh, and the single parents go off to a uh, a conference of some sort where uh, Richard G- Jenkins, who plays Dale's father, Doctor Doback, um, <laughs> I can't even hear that without. <laughs> He he falls in love with Will Ferrell's mum, played by Mary Steenburgen, who you might know was um, Will Ferrell's stepmom in Elf a few years Elf, previous yeah, to yeah. this. Uh, and they fall in love, and then they bond over the fact that they both have adult sons who live at home with them, and then quickly they get married. This is all before the credits are even finished. Rolls, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then we're off to the races, basically. So we've already had great lines already, like. Dale, I've left you twenty dollars for pizza. It's like, what if I want wings? You don't need wings. <laughs> like, and, uh... Dad, dad, <laughs> and it's brilliant. And they they both make a scene at the wedding where Will Ferrell stresses that he wasn't fired from PetSmart; he was laid off. Not that his mum would know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> that means, and anyway, because of basically they're married now. The parents are married, so uh, Mary Steenberger is going to move in with Richard Jenkins' character, which means that Will Ferrell, who doesn't have anywhere else to live, is going to have to move in and live with his new 40-year-old stepbrother. <laughs> and neither are very happy about it. No, I find this quite... This is the first time I've watched it as I'm gingerly approaching 40 myself. <laughs> so it it was like, oh, my God, you know. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Quite eye-opening, this one. Uh but no, you, I couldn't put it in better myself. And yeah. there's the, when they eventually meet each other on the lawn of Richard Jenkins' house. Sorry, Doback. I've got a, <laughs> Mr. Doback. Just call me Richard. Did, did, He's a medical yeah. doctor. Did he get a PhD to be called Mr. Doback? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Dr. Doback. Just, just call me, just call me Robert. That's it. Just call me Robert Doback. <laughs> He's... 
and they have this face off, don't they? You know, yeah. where it's the two me, like, eh, eh, ah, ah. and uh, it, it, <laughs> I see, uh, that's where Dragon comes from, isn't it? Yes, um, it is. Yeah, so he goes, you have I'm to Gale, call me Dragon. this is my house, but you have to call me Dragon. <laughs> and then Will Ferrell responds with the immortal you have to call me Nighthawk and then we get the title and we're off right basically they're essentially the same person but it's... yeah yeah mirrors of each other just um, but fiercely territorial about their parents as well um, yeah. my mom is a saint <laughs> <laughs> so good and then from there we roll into one of my favourite scenes in the film. I th- I'm going to say that a lot as we go through one of my favourite yeah, scenes. Yeah, it's very hard not to. Um, is one of the most awkward and hilarious dinner <laughs> scenes I've ever oh, seen in my life. <laughs> Where um, they're basically setting up their characters and uh, what they've been up to, which is very little. <laughs> <laughs> we set up that uh, Will Ferrell is apparently a world-class singer. In his words, the songbird of his generation. <laughs> From people who've heard him, and not many people have heard him. <laughs> and he refuses to uh, share his fancy sauce. So, Simon, do you know what fancy sauce is? Uh, no, sorry. Ketchup mixed with mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Hyde, like, I saw the trivia that Hyde actually sold it. Yes, <laughs> they made a they made a sauce after this called Metchup, I think, or something. <laughs> Which uh, is... I'm fairly certain that that sauce is just Thousand Island, anyway, <laughs> isn't it? Just <laughs> ketchup and mayo is just uh, yeah. Um, the crying in that, you know, where uh, where Brendan takes it badly. Yes, when uh, they start they start squabbling, don't they, over the fancy <laughs> sauce? And Dale's been quite confrontational. He seems like the alpha. Now is Brennan yeah. sort of shining him on? at this point because we know sort of the behaviour that Will Ferrell's character gets up to later on yeah, is yeah, he yeah, pretending totally. to be more sensitive than he actually is at this stage? and this is where where I agree with Pete Bradshaw Bradshaw said that god they play temperamental 13 year olds really well yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they really <laughs> really do <laughs> because when we get later down the line and we see what Brennan does to Dale's drum set and the way in which he is more <laughs> confrontational after the failed uh, prestige worldwide presentation oh, stop it uh, <laughs> I think he's trying to like play a bit of a game at the moment here and anyway they're going to end up rooming together because Dale refuses to give up his office drum set and the drum set will be a major plot point Moving forward, <laughs> it, it's the the sled uh, of the, <laughs> it's the rose bud of this sled. It's the rose bud step step brothers. Not seen it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just you know we all know that like Will Ferrell is you know a, you know comedy actor and he's he's really really funny. But John C. Riley is. You know, oh, yeah. traditionally a good dramatic actor, yeah. and that's what his career is. I mean, obviously, Talladega Nights was before yeah, this, yeah. but he is so funny at just delivering comedy. Like, he, he just goes toe-to-toe with Ferrell the whole way through this They're movie. They're brilliant. They've oh, got yeah, such yeah. incredible chemistry. But there's a, one of the, the bits... Is it is it in this first section where he's, like, having dinner with his dad and he just doesn't like the news that someone's moving in and he's like, we're men, we like to do a few things, like, shit with the door open, <laughs> riverboat gambling trips, we make our own beef jerky. <laughs> and then his dad goes, his dad goes, Dale, we have literally done none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> really, so he takes him up to his room and he goes, the house was built in 1854 by General Custer. It's like, this is bullshit. Like. <laughs> and basically, they're going to be rooming together. And then we roll into another fantastic scene, which is them two having a whispering argument while in bed oh, together, yeah. but they can't <laughs> shout at each other because they don't oh. want to wake their parents up. <laughs> Uh, you and your mama hillbillies. This is a house of learned doctors. <laughs> house of learned doctors. <laughs> You're not a doctor. You're a big, fat, curly-headed fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at this point, right? You're either on board or you're not, because it's only going to get more puerile. Uh, yeah, from here. But, but for if me, you don't, like, if you don't like it by this point, sign off. Just ignore yeah, it now. Yeah. Just go away. <laughs> like immaturity is really difficult to do for adults. I think in films, like it can feel really forced. But these two have just nailed it. So they're so naturalistic in the way that they play off each other. And yeah, it's just so well delivered, and every barb is just like. It's just a zing every single time. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it doesn't feel overly improv'd either. Like, sometimes you can see with those takes that the the, the scenes go on too long, or it, you know, in some of the Apatow comedies, because all of his come in at two hours. Two hours, yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas this one's a solid like ninety-five minutes. There's no fat on it whatsoever at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, tensions just sort of escalate from there, don't they? Really. So yeah, so they, they sort of first act as them. They they they're really at loggerheads with each other, aren't they? And they don't yeah get on, and they're just constantly sniping at each other. But then they find a common ground, don't they? And that's yeah. when things sort of turn story wise, and it's all down to Will Ferrell's brother oh. um, rocking up for dinner, isn't he? He's one of the biggest weasels in cinema, isn't he? Can we talk about Derek and Adam Scott's Please. performance as Derek in particular? Because it is one of the best portrayals of a douchebag I have ever seen. (laughs) Ever. Like, I know him best from, like, Parks and Recreation, where he plays a bit of a sweet guy guy in the stuffed (laughs) shirt. Like, like originally, uh, John Hamm was going to play this part. Now, I I fucking love John Hamm. He's a great actor. Mad Men, fantastic. And in Bridesmaids, he's really funny in that as well. But I don't think it would have worked if he was an imposing sort of athletic type. The fact that he's smaller than the two of them, yeah, they're completely like scared to death of him, is so funny. <laughs> and he gets one of the best character introductions ever, really. Oh, when yeah. Him and his family in the car. Don't stop car, it. I can't. On the way to the dinner. Yeah. All right, gang, let's really nail it this time. Here we go. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Bum. <laughs> She's got a smile that it seems to me Reminds me of childhood memories Where everything was as fresh as a bright blue sky All right, Tommy, you're the oldest. I'm counting on you. Come on. She's got eyes of the bluest skies As if they thought of rain I hate to look into those eyes And see Vibrato, buddy. All right, all right, Alice, let's go. Flat. It's so flat. I can't even, I don't even know. You don't even look good while you're singing. The worst thing I've ever heard. This is $1,200 a week for voice lessons, and this is what I get? Okay, I'm going to save it with the solo. Bow, bow, I'm dead. And I can sing high like this. And I can sing high. 
can't understand how that kid's voice is so pure. I don't get it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but from that one moment, you know, he's an arsehole. You know, his kids are arsehole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but he, and he's bad to his wife. He's no yeah. good to his wife. You don't even well. look good when you're singing. <laughs> oh, like, awful, awful. But he's like a go-getter. He's a proper bro, isn't he? He's like a... Uh, yeah. And and um, Dobak is obsessed with him. Just yeah. can't oh, believe he's yeah. never met a man... Uh, a young man like that who or a younger man like that yeah. who's so accomplished uh, and everything that um Dale and Brennan yeah. yeah exactly so they go out to the treehouse and uh <laughs> Derek appears and he he's he's talking about his abs and he pulls his shirt up and he's <laughs> Like these guys have not had a carb since two thousand and one. Like, yeah, it's like, uh, and he's you know it's obviously some like a, a bodybuilder's abs. You know? yeah, I'm yeah. assuming because yeah, they don't it's not to him. his face. <laughs> no, it's not. Him. Yeah, I'm gullible, but I'm not that bad. Um, and they're oiled up underneath his t-shirt. Yeah, uh, and um, yeah, it forces Dale to punch him in the head, and that is the moment where everything comes together. Absolutely, yeah, Derek. Dares Dale to punch him in the face, <laughs> so he duly obliges and he falls out of the treehouse. Anyway, he picks himself, dusts himself off, and after um, Brennan tells him that a good cure for shoulder pain is to lick his butthole, um, he goes <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, this is the level. This is the level. Uh, he heads for the car, but he's missing a passenger. His wife, Alice, played phenomenally by yes, Catherine yes. Hahn, who has become incredibly aroused by Dale and the fact that he punched her horrible husband in the face. Because <laughs> she hates him, doesn't she? She really she, hates him. Oh, she does. We must point out as well, welcome back to the podcast, Catherine Hahn. It's great to have you back. Because she was in Boys Blank Faces. She was in Tomorrowland. Of course she was. The oh, shop oh, was in Tomorrowland. Yeah, shop yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, welcome back. Um, Knowledge. One more and you're in the Hall of Fame. So, Bit more um, screen time this time. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But doesn't she make use of it? She's Every second she's on there, she's amazing. It's good because it's a nothing character. Yeah, yeah. Everyone apart from the two leads and, and Derek, they're all just sort of props for the two leads to sort of orbit around yeah but she's so good and she proper swings for the fences with this like oh yes. she takes it to nth degree funny like and just goes really weird and surreal throughout it's just great and she's just infatuated with, with, with dale because he punched yeah. her horrible husband in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I, and they have that awkward moment on the uh because i I'm, you know it looks like dale has never been with a, a woman before oh come on neither of them have they're both well, no, virgins, no, I know. I'm, I'm not, you know wouldn't like to cast aspersions but yeah. um like so, she forces herself onto him, and they have this awkward kiss where Dale is going, "What's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> She's pressing against his lips, in like a sort of gapped mouth, horrible kind of breathing yeah, into each other's mouth. Horrible, yeah, it's <laughs> super. It's absolutely super. And she she tells him, "I love you," <laughs> like that immediately. I love you. <laughs> At no point do I think Dale's actually into it. No, he's scared to death. He's absolutely <laughs> terrified. He's rabbit in headlights, isn't he, the entire time? When she says to him, I believe you uh, you struck Derek in the face. <laughs> like, yeah. He asked me to. <laughs> he's terrified so of her. Then when she starts coming on to him, he just can't deal with it at all. But what he does want to get uh, involved in is the fact that him and Brennan are no longer foes. 
but possibly great friends moving forward. Oh, yes. And we have an incredible montage of them <laughs> falling in love with one another. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Exactly. <laughs> Is that where they, where, they, they, where they reel off like their favourite stuff and he's like, okay, without thinking about it, just answer these questions. <laughs> just <stay there>. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite dinosaur? Velociraptor. <laughs> well time. We haven't practiced. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. Good housekeeping. Good housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Did we just become best friends? Yes. <laughs> do you want to go and go do karate in the garage? <laughs> and they're grown men. They're grown, they're grown, they're grown men. men. They're yeah. grown men. Not just grown men. They're forty years old. Like they should have families <laughs> yes, of their yeah. own. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, and then I mean, it's it's there's like a joyfulness of watching them bond at this point. Yeah, because it's just so silly. Like the whole thing yeah. is just hilarious because they just play it like they're two thirteen-year-old boys essentially. Yes, but yeah. they're both massive. They're quite big units. The pair of them aren't. They? Oh, they, they, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Six foot. The pair of them, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The more the more that you say this now, the more that we talk about it. Like I'm like, did we just agree with Pete Bradshaw? Yes, <laughs> yes <Yeah. we> did. <laughs> that they're brilliant at playing these. They're playing these guys. It's great. Yeah, they. Um, I love all the scenes in um, Doback's bedroom where they <laughs> run up to him like, "Can we make bunk beds, please, please, please?" <laughs> so you don't have to ask us. To, you don't need to ask permission <laughs> to make bunk beds. But but we're going to get so much activities done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, is so much nothing. space. <laughs> He's like, uh, "Can we?" He's like, "I'm not making myself clear." I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then they turn to the mum like, so is that a... Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and they're both so good, Mary Steenberger and they really Richard are, Jenkins. They, they really, really buy really into good. it. Like, Richard Jenkins is like an Academy Award nominated actor. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some great lines in it as well. Oh, though, he's so he? funny. Anyway, they build bunk beds. That goes about as well as you would expect with two morons building bunk bunk beds with no carpentry skills. They collapse. So much activities. (laughs) They they set them up for job job interviews. Yeah, and another fantastic montage where they basically decide that they're going to Dress in tuxedos for the job interviews, which is hilarious on its own. (laughs) And then on top of that, they're going to interview as a team. And as Dale puts it, when they go in for their first interview, <laughs> we're here to fuck shit up. <laughs> uh, Rogan's in there. Rogan's in there. Adam McKay, the director, is one of the interviewers. Yeah, isn't yeah. <laughs> Rogan offers them a job, doesn't he? Because he likes their vibe, but then Dale ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> An incredibly tuxedoed fart with arched fingertips while he does it. Which is, like, it is... The most, the most puerile thing is a fart joke. But I'm oh, thirty-four yeah. years old, and I will never not laugh at a fart joke. No well, this way. is the thing. Like, so basic. I was convinced, like when I became a father, I'm like, right, I really don't want to pass this affliction onto my son of like laughing at farts. Like it's not, it's so juvenile. I've failed miserably. Like he thinks <laughs> of the funniest things in the world. He farts in the bath. He acts like. Oh, what's this? Look at me, I'm a comedy genius. <laughs> so it's just, I think it's something that's just drilled down into our DNA very early on that farts are funny and they will always be funny. They'll never not be funny. They won't yeah. be. Nope. <laughs> uh, and I assume that, well, no, they obviously don't get the job from Seth Rogen. Yeah. But Rogen shows his 
wattage here, doesn't he, with some brilliant lines like, is that onions? <laughs> onions and ketchup. I can taste that. I can taste that. On on my, my it's on my tongue. <laughs> Come to think of it, the tuxedos seem a little fucked up now. <laughs> it's just every line is delivered so well throughout. Yes. You know, they don't get any jobs. They've been on multiple interviews. It's been a bad day and it's about to get worse <laughs> because they fall afoul of Mr. Gardocki and his crew on the <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, this is absolutely brilliant. And for people who haven't seen the film, Mr. Gardocki is a homophobic 11-year-old child. (laughs) (laughs) He's sort of got some, like, gangland territory on some swing set in the middle of something. Yeah, that's (laughs) it. And they're terrified of him. Yeah, um, and with good and reason. <laughs> yeah, with good. Yeah, that is a brilliant sequence because um, he is a vicious gang lord and he beats the living crap out of him with his cronies, and he makes Will Ferrell <laughs> like petrified. Why don't? <laughs> Can I just? I thought it had gone. Do you remember that thing that someone said on like social media recently? Like, you never see white dog poo anymore. You know, it's quite rare. I saw some about a month ago on the dog walk. Like, like there. Like, I was, I was so excited. Nearly took a like took a photograph of it. it was that like finding gold. Yeah, it seriously is these days. But when we were kids, it was all the time. What's happening? Yeah, no, it was all the rage in the nineties. All the rage. <laughs> I think, can I, the scream when Feral's tongue hits the dog poo. (laughs) It's unbelievable. It's the height, it's Daniel Stern level. He's a good, he's a very good whaler. He is, isn't he? He is. Just because, as you say, there's not, plot wise, there's not a great deal going on here, but it is absolute gold. And it's around this point that we have, um, they get concocted business proposition. That they need investors for prestige worldwide. But yeah, is it? You know, I nearly said that earlier, James. You know, when you said the worldwide box office or the prestige yeah. worldwide. The <laughs> 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 they had a, a yeah Derek's birthday dinner where he gets um oh he, he gets a Callaway driver I think yeah. and, uh, you know uh, and um, he's such a twerp isn't it it's so great <laughs> to watch such a moron uh, yeah um, and he's got his cronies there yeah and they're all the just as goes, bad as him woo yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what, what are you doing pow pow <laughs> <laughs> they're just the worst guys in the world aren't they they're just these jock douchebag idiots like it's yeah, so it's... alpha and toxic <laughs> yeah it's so good because the thing is, Brennan and, and Dale think that they're quite alpha, but compared to these guys, they're just not at all. Like they're really sensitive <laughs> and like and they can't hang with them at all, and they get bullied by them. So f- for some reason, they decide to launch Prestige Worldwide as a presentation at Derek's birthday party, and that goes about as well as you're expected. No, can we just have a moment to look at this? <laughs> but because we're, we're told at this point that um, their retirement plan. of of Dr. Doback and Nancy Uh, we're told their retirement plan that they're going to get the boat what um, Doback's got and and (laughs) travel on it and and then this is revealed like this boats and hose 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the portfolio of the services they offer. Yeah. You know, Do we have a handle on what Prestige Worldwide actually is? Uh, the, um, I think Prestige Worldwide is a brilliant name for a global business. <laughs> I genuinely do think it is. Well, as, as Brennan says, it sounds so cool. Yeah, it really does. But the, I think lightning just hit the tip of my penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, the discussing things like stock options, finances, leather gloves. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's this, um, well, it's a rap video that we've all seen a million times on MTV yeah. Base circa, you know, early 2000s. Yeah. And um, only it's got these two 40-year-old dudes in it. <laughs> Good tune, though, isn't it? The Nina, oh, the Pinto, oh, the Santa Maria. Oh. I'll do you in the bottom while you're drinking sangria. Nachos, lemonheads, my dad's boat. You won't go down because my dick can float. We sail around the world and go port to port. Every time I come, I produce a quart. Put on your life vest, let's drop anchor. There's a nice lady who I like to spike her. Your mom's yeah. hair. You'll be amazed when I come in your hair. Yeah. Pull up the anchor because we're leaving dry land. Get below deck with a tick in your hand. Outrageous. Yeah, <laughs> you really are. You know, and the mum, Nancy's like, that is distasteful. It's <laughs> really Brennan. offensive. That is offensive. <laughs> what, the part about doing someone in the bottom while they're drinking sangria, or the part where he goes from port to port and when he comes, he comes a quart? <laughs> I think the latter was the one that was... Deems that you know, neither's good, neither's great. You know. <laughs> I gotta say, John C. Riley's uh, John C. Riley can spit bars. I think. Oh, yeah. he can, yeah, <laughs> absolutely can. Um, and then we're on to um, well, it goes wrong, terribly yeah, wrong. Yes. They crash the boat while making the music video and ruin the retirement dreams of uh, Doctor Doback and Nancy. <laughs> yeah, and on the way home, they they have this magnificent argument. <laughs> Where Doback loses it completely. Yeah. And uh, lots of profane words are used. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, this is like the first moment of Doback and Nancy splitting up. It is, yeah. They go in their separate way. Absolutely. And it's all because of Dale and Brennan, isn't it? It's yeah. Which is pointed out ably by Derek at the <laughs> Christmas dinner. Yeah. And, and it's that brilliant, you know, like, don't you know, don't tell them it's their fault. Oh, come on, Nancy, it is their fault. <laughs> and the crying is so good. I got it, Which, that is so well observed, because you remember when you were a kid when you'd get in trouble and you'd get really upset, like... Oh, yeah. You know, and you just, <sighs> you just can't catch your breath at all. You're certain you're going to be sick. That is so well observed. <laughs> and, but then Richard Jenkins' reaction when he does throw up, like, <laughs> he did throw up. Yeah. <laughs> He's lost, he's lost any love he might have had for that boy. Yeah, like, yeah. He's at the end of his tether with him. It's it, it's super, it's super. And they decide that they're going to... Um, oh, yeah, sorry, it's divorce, isn't it? They decide it's divorce. Uh, they're going to go their separate ways. Dale and Brennan have got to get jobs. They've got to go and um, tackle the real world head-on. Because there's no house for them to live That's in anymore. That's it, yeah. In, in the separation, the house has got to go. And Brennan... 
goes to uh, his brother and asks for a job, it's made very clear that they don't think much of him because he's got his jockey douchebags dudes yeah, yeah. with him. And Brennan ends up uh, working for a catering company, is that right? He does, yeah. Ken Jong gets him the job. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Just randomly. <laughs> Yeah. It's very sad. Like they yeah, were a lot happier sad. beforehand, don't they? Like yeah. basically, when they grow up and become us, regular people, mm. they're a lot less happy than they were. They lost all their verb and their spark, and Brennan is pretending to be one of these jock douchebags. When they're asking him, he's like, "He's got I'm ready. What guitar? <laughs> Been earning, burning, snapping necks, and cashing checks." <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, just he, they just become adults, don't they? And it just all the fun gets just completely zapped out of them. Because of the, but the this happens over up. the course of about four minutes of rugby. It does, yeah. yeah it's really watched through. Yeah, we don't have much time to wallow in because that would be flat point. Because them being them is the high yeah. point. Of, you know, it's the, amongst the high points of the film. And Brennan asks for the Catalina wine mixer. Yeah, he wants to. <laughs> Take the, the what is it the most prestigious not prestige worldwide uh, helicopter leasing company on the west coast yeah. to the Catalina wine mixer where prospective clients I assume you know rent helicopters <laughs> which obviously is is was a made up thing but now it's a real thing like, <laughs> it's a real thing now. It, it, yeah, because it was obviously completely made up, but uh, now it's a yearly annual uh, thing. I mean, I'm sure they don't have it this year for uh, <laughs> social distancing wow. reasons. But... How, how many times at that event do you think people have to one too many? You know, and I mean literally one too many. They could have a sniff too many yeah. and start going it's Catalina wine mixer. Every person yeah. there with zero personality will be doing that from the minute they get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and. Um, they're both very sensible when they get to it. It's a lovely location. Uh, Brennan has hired Dale Doback. I have never said his name out <laughs> right like that before. He's hired Dale Doback's um, catering company. Catering company. Thank you, catering company. And um, things don't go to plan. No, because they've ha- also hired a Billy Joel uh, tribute <laughs> band who only do eighties Billy Joel. Spe- specific keep- Billy Joel. <laughs> and when they do keep we getting can't requests, stop the fire. <laughs> I specifically told you I specifically said, sir, that we only do 80s Billy Joe. <laughs> and basically, uh, Brennan has set this whole, whole thing up so he can try and get Nancy and Dr. Doe back, back together again. He's trying to parent trap them, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically, yeah. And Dr. Doback's looking at the hollow shell of men that these guys are now and he misses them and he tells them a quite astonishing what must have been improvised <laughs> monologue <laughs> I, every time I watch this film I forget about this monologue Ooh. and just keel over laughing it's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard <laughs> basically when Dr. Novak was growing up he wanted to be a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> And to see an actor of Richard Jenkins' calibre go through the the gymnastics to get this out and deliver this monologue, it's just incredible. And all the time you've got, like, Dale and Brennan just going, it's not even possible. Like, you could never be a dinosaur. You're a human. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, the, be- the best bit of the story is where he ends it and he goes, and my parents were like, Don't, you're, you're 17, stop it. <laughs> he's like not a child, he's 17. <laughs> wants, to, wants to be a T-Rex. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so the Batman have gone and uh, basically Dale decides to sack off his job and he gets on the drum set up there and he's bombing quite badly and then Brennan decides to join him and show everyone what a world-class singer he is because his voice is a mix of Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> 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 and that's quite an <laughs> incredible performance from the two of them where John C. Riley is really drumming and Will Ferrell is really singing that song. I think is it is it both both yeah. the, I heard it was John C. Riley, but I didn't know it was Ferrell as well. They committed completely oh, to it word. to the bit and deliver this knockout performance where all the supporting characters have various flashbacks and dream sequences. Yeah. <laughs> They're inspired. There's a bit with a Minotaur and Catherine Hard. Oh yeah. There's a bit with Will Ferrell, who's fallen in love with his therapist at this stage. I've travelled 500 miles to give you my seed. (laughs) 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 And they make a success of the Catalina wine mixer. Everybody has a lovely old time. Tears in eyes everywhere. Yeah, Brennan and uh, Derek get some semblance of brotherly love back mm. with one of the most awkward hugs ever put on. It's the greatest. It's the greatest, uh, not having, uh, you know, the, the gut punch during it. it gave... <laughs> but... <laughs> Because they it's don't like know how they to first... hug. They've never done it, so they don't know how to do it. All they have is violence between them and scuffling. So they have this really awful slow motion fight that's got hog elements to it. <laughs> like Will Ferrell grabs him by the throat to start with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, it's excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that it, it's like happily ever after in a way, yeah. isn't it? But we have Catherine Hahn is it's not happily ever after for her. No, no. Because she wants Dale, and yeah. Dale, well, perhaps revealing that he, did, he, you know, as we suspect, he wasn't into her at all. He says, "Like, what is that? A whale?" And puts <laughs> out to sea, and she he turns away, around yeah. and he runs away. <laughs> and we don't see Catherine Hard again. Uh, and basically, the film ends with Nancy and Doctor Doback back together. Dale and Brennan have set up a a weirdly competitive karaoke business where if you're no good, you're not allowed to sing. <laughs> 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 which sounds to be going well. Derek gets checked for talking like a big shot because he'd been in a helicopter with Seal, which is just all these throwaway lines are just so yeah, good. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? And uh, it is. the broken boat is made into a treehouse for the guys, and it's quite actually a dark ending, like because the parents are just encouraging this juvenile behaviour. <laughs> can, can we just go back slightly? Because yeah. this enforces your point. Um, she's there, isn't she, that... Um, Brennan's therapist. Yeah. Brennan keeps saying, you know, oh, she's a keeper. You know, he's, I love you. I, uh, you know, you're my angel and all this kind of stuff during their therapy sessions. And um, when she comes to the Catalina wine mixer, she says <laughs> to, uh, you know, I came here because uh, Brennan said he was going to jump off a helicopter into, uh, <laughs> into an ocean full of... I'm legally shots. obliged I'm to be here. I'm legally obliged to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he turns to, she turns to uh, the mum and says, and you're an enabler. <laughs> she says, and you're a keeper. <laughs> 
and then she's there at the end as well. They're yeah. all enabling this absolutely uh, farcical in scenario. The, when, in the uh, in the boat, in the treehouse boat, where they've got a loads of jazz mags and Chewbacca masks. <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca mask. Is it Will Ferrell gets short changed and he's like, "It's okay that mine isn't movie quality." <laughs> <laughs> So good. <laughs> and then we go to the credits and we think it's all over. But Oof. no. Oof. No, th- this probably one of the best mid credits scenes ever made. Like yes. which was clearly actually followed on directly from the Catalina wine mixer, but they decided to move it because, because basically they turn up and they have their revenge on Cardock and his crew. Roll up in a helicopter. <laughs> Yeah, and basically for There's a minute dubs, and a half, slow mo, beat the shit it... out of some kids. <laughs> <laughs> Proper like sell it, all the kids sell it so well, don't they? <laughs> so... <laughs> but then they claim that they're better than Cardock because they don't make him eat the white dog. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Um, and thus uh, endeth. The magnum opus that is stepbrothers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, how can you not think this film's like funny? I, just, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't understand. Uh, Favourite bits, gents? What do you got? Uh, I mean, how can you pick one? It's just so good. The sight gag of Derek's abs in the treehouse is more of my favourite thing. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, isn't it? Just it's because it's such a like a dodgy cut as well, and it's obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that I think they must have made it obviously a dodgy cut? Oh yeah, oh yeah, because so, like, he's yeah, at a yeah, different yeah. angle and everything. <laughs> it's just like, it's so good. But the the bit where uh, Dale comes in to his dad and he's like, "But what if I what if I come out the shower and, and Nancy sees me and she's like, and I'm looking really good, got a got a luscious V of hair going through my chest, going through my chest pubes down to my ball fro." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like she's had the bull and now she wants the calf. <laughs> as, oh, he's talking dear. as if he's like God's gift to women. And, oh, just. <laughs> uh, what about you, James? You got a favourite bit? Oh, I mean, it's so quotable throughout. I think my it could be anything from boats and hose to interviewing as a team. Derek's intro makes me laugh every single time. Fancy sauce is just a great scene, uh, but. It's got to be, this is a house of learned doctors. <laughs> You're not a doctor. You're a big, fat, curly-headed fuck. Just gets me every time. And then when he follows it up by saying he's going to fill a pillowcase full of soap and beat the shit out. <laughs> Actually very sinister. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've got... I mean, because the, the ones that really sprung to mind, I've already mentioned, um, but there's so much, as you say, it's very hard to pick yeah. one. But I really love... Um, well, first, massive honourable mention to the movie when they're bonding. Anyone? Yes, I, I, yeah. I was waiting for you to. Oh, yeah, I was waiting yeah, for you yeah, to yeah. say this. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Nico or Above the Law, as it's known in America, and Seagal <laughs> being vulnerably punched up. Uh, it was super. They were bonding over. Of course, it and this is your favourite bit. Of course, it was. <laughs> and they got a massive kick. Isn't out there of a the... shotgun blast accompanied by a Will Ferrell scream that is just so funny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's the it's a, an arm break that they really like. But massive spoiler alert: that's the end of the film. <laughs> Should not have used it. Shame on you it. guys. Shame. Uh, but aside from that, uh, bleep machine, please sigh for this one. But um, the sheer when when uh, Dobak is shouting down the stairs, <laughs> and he does something like you know you're a pair of goons or something like that, and he's doing like these facial expressions, and um, Will Ferrell shouts up to him, "You geriatric." F- <laughs> 
that's probably in there for me as the nothing will, it can't get funnier than me for that <laughs> than that sorry you keep um, your liver spotted hands off my mother she's a saint <laughs> that's it yeah 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 uh, it's excellent excellent the fact that it's called Doback as well makes it even better oh, so FYR for your reconsideration James as is per our custom you will go last um, so. uh, this comedy line's got a lot of airtime, but I'm just going to say it again anyway. I highlighted a review on Letterboxd by someone called Silent Dawn who gave it five stars and simply said, if you don't love this movie, you're a curly-headed fuck. <laughs> 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 for, for, me, for me, this movie, as the years have gone on, a lot of these naughty comedies, because there's so many of them, they just sort of fall mm. by the wayside and just stay on the shelf outside of the nine we spoke about before. Uh, but Step Brothers, for me, will always be the one I keep coming back to, mainly because my missus loves it as much as I do as well. <laughs> it's just it's just filled with joke after joke after joke, and it's it's almost more jokes than normal dialogue. The, the whole script is just a zinger, and no matter how many times you watch it, you'll always find new stuff to just laugh at, and it just doesn't get old. There's a, you know, you touched on it before, James, there's a couple of sort of unsavory bits, which over time haven't aged, but on the whole, yeah, it's aged really, really well in terms of, you know, the juvenile humor of it, which is the point. And it's, you know, that was yeah. the big problem the critics had, but that's the whole point of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely consider, reconsider this. Um, it's still as funny as ever. And if that makes me an immature man child, then uh, sorry, sorry. So be it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in which case, can I be an immature man-child with you, Si, because I totally agree. <laughs> um, yeah, fart gags are the bomb. Let's not, get, let's not go... You can't... It's like reinventing the wheel to say they're not. Um, yeah, I can't believe this qualifies, to be honest, because yeah. I thought, like, isn't the goal of a comedy movie to be funny? I, I defy you not to find it funny. I don't understand That's how you would hilarious. find it funny. The fact that, you know, yes... Plot is thin on the ground. But this is really just an excuse for two A-list comedy actors to go toe-to-toe with a brilliant support cast yeah. and are given sort of free reign to come up with in, in a brilliant setting. I mean, sorry, I don't mean the setting as in um, the world that they exist in. I just mean the predicament that they find themselves as two 40-year-olds who are forced to live together who happen to be man-children or men-children <laughs> or whatever. How and, and they are just given free reign to go for gold with it, and they succeed on every single point. Um, as I've said, the support cast is absolutely brilliant. Um, they also um, provide real laughs in a way that a lot of, you know, support... Well, I don't know whether that's right, whether I'm right, sorry, in saying that, because a lot of the times with comedy films, the support cast are just as important as the main, the main mm. pairing or the main cast. So... Yeah, it's too funny for me not to say reconsider. If you've never seen it... Oh, God, if you've never seen it... Oh, oh you're whoa, in for a treat. Oh, whoa, whoa, go for it. Yeah, get straight in there and enjoy. Fantastic. So, yeah, just to sort of touch on what you guys have said, really. So, obviously, I'm going to put it up for reconsideration because it was my pick. But, you know, the film is so jam-packed, full of gags and one-liners and absurdist flights of fancies that you can't possibly catch them all on a single viewing, which is great because it makes the film insanely rewatchable. Uh, for me, it's a near-perfect comedy. And while I've enjoyed Adam McKay's more serious films that he's been done over the last uh, few years, this is what he's best at. And this is one of the best comedies of the last 20 years. And I'd love for him to make another movie with Will Ferrell again. Mm, yeah. Will he put him in one of his serious ones, do you think? 
I think he could, definitely. I mean, they, exec- they have a production company, don't they? Don't forget as well, they're executive producers on Succession, which is one of the best TV shows out there as well at the moment. So these guys, whether they're doing juvenile comedy like this or more acerbic, real-life, dark comedy, they can do it all. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he put Will Ferrell into one of his more serious films. Mm. I'd really like to see that. As, forgive my ignorance, but has Will Ferrell done any like serious? He's tried a couple of times and they've just not hit. That. Yeah, yeah. Like they're good. They're decent enough movies. They've just not found an audience because yeah, I guess yeah. that's not what people want from him. He mm. hasn't had his Truman Show yet, has he? Yeah, um, which right, is sort right. of what everyone's waiting for because his career's going the same way as Jim Carrey, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, it's there's a lot of parallels between the two of them. Jim Carrey was on the Roxbury. He was, sketch, yeah, wasn't yeah. He? he wasn't in the movie though. Yeah, yeah but he was yeah. on the sketch. Yeah, yeah, because it's spun out from an SNL sketch that movie, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Well, mega chats as always, gentlemen. Lots of fun this week. Cheeks hurt in this one. Cheeks <laughs> hurt in this week. Yeah. What's on for next week? It's your pick, I believe, Si. It is. It is my pick. Um, and we're having a return of Mr. Sliced Alone um, oh. onto the pod. Hopefully. And I guess somewhat relevant to the, the current situation in that uh, toilet paper is really hard to get a hold of. <laughs> we could do with some three seashells uh, round about now. Um, yeah, uh, Demolition Man is the next one. Oh, nice. So I'm the so jealous is... to watch this. I yeah, wait. I am so excited about it. I've even d- dyed my hair Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Uh, Simon Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I've even gone full Simon Phoenix with it. Um, yeah, my kids dared me to dye my hair, but you know, you can't kid a kid of kids. Don't be damned. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, please leave us five stars on your pod streamer of choice. It's been great to have you with us again. Keep well, stay safe, and stay alert, apparently. 